Hi guys, we just wanted to jump on here real quick and just give a little message. This podcast that you're about to listen to was recorded before the tragedy in Boulder. We wanted to take a second to remember the victims who lost their lives on Monday, March 22nd in that Boulder shooting. Selfish and cruel acts like these are horrific and have no place in our communities. Our hearts and thoughts go out to the victims and their families while Boulder as a community begins to heal. We're going to go ahead and take a moment to list the victims' names. Denny Stong, 20. Nevin Stanzik, 23. Ricky Olds, 25. Trelona Barkwak, 49. Suzanne Fountain, 59. Terry Liker, 51. Eric Talley, 51. Kevin Mahoney, 61. Lynn Murray, 62 and Jody Waters, 65. If you or someone you know is struggling with the trauma caused by gun violence, you can visit everytownsupportfund.org for more information. Or you can call or text the Colorado Crisis Hotline at 1-844-493-8255 or text TALK, T-A-L-K, to 38255. I'm Amber. And I'm Leslie. And you're listening to The The Grim Grim Mystics. Right, episode three. <laughs> I have been thinking about your clue, Amber, yeah. since you told me last week. And, you know, my initial guess was like Jonestown. Mm-mm. And then one of our followers commented on Instagram and said like a husband wife type thing. And I was like, oh, that's a pretty good idea. So I, I still haven't, I still don't know. I'm so excited to learn. Well, I actually, so the person who commented on our Instagram is my coworker. So it was a fun uh, couple of days of her throwing guesses at me when we were, you know, weren't busy with our patients. Um, and she got so close. And I think actually today she <laughs> might be on the right track. And I have another coworker who was texting me um, and she actually figured it out. So Monica and Paige, good job. Like you guys are great at figuring out what clues are. I mean, it was fabulous. What Monica did, and Paige didn't really tell me how she figured it out. She just texted me and asked, and I was like, maybe. <laughs> um, I feel like it's going to be such a like a face slap as soon as I hear it. I think for you, yeah. For some people who aren't into this genre of movie, maybe not. Um, but I know... It's a movie? Uh-huh. Yeah. So what Monica did is she Googled what I said. And it came up to lyrics. And I'm actually going to tell you the first part of the lyrics. But first, why don't you tell us where we're going on the map to see if that helps? All right. So today on the map, the only thing I know is that we're going to Chicago today. That is correct. Okay. So I'm going to read something off and I'm going to see if that helps with the clue. Okay. The pressure. Normally, I'm really good at this, (laughs) especially with lyrics. But man, I'm nervous. I think after this, you'll get it. Okay. Pop. Six. 
Squish. Uh-uh. Cicero Lipschitz. Pop. Six. Squish. Uh-uh. Cicero Lipschitz. No idea. You don't? Oh, I thought that would give it away. <laughs> I have no idea. Okay. Well, that is the beginning of the Cell Block Tango from the musical Chicago. Oh, I've never seen that. It's I, I'm sorry. What? <laughs> I know. Or if I have, I was like not coherent enough to know what was happening. <laughs> okay. Chicago, for people who haven't watched it, which clearly is my co-host. I, th- I know. We have a bond over musicals for life, and you haven't seen I that know, one I'm yet. I know, I'm sorry. It's only a few that I've seen, and that is not one. <laughs> well, this one is a musical about murder. It's like the best oh, thing it. on So the now, place. like, I have to watch it. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> yes, okay. You have okay. to watch it. <laughs> well, no, I meant, like, now I, like, I have to have to. Well, yeah, I, I'm about five seconds away from stopping the podcast oh, no. and you can go watch it coming back. <laughs> I'll just, I'll do my best. I'll keep up. Let me crack open my drink here. <laughs> Some ASMR here. Crack it open. That was perfect. <laughs> All right. Well, Maureen Dallas Watkins wrote the stage play in the 1920s, and it was called Chicago. She was inspired to write the play while she was a journalist for the Chicago Tribune, and she was covering the courthouse beat. So she was literally at the courthouse every day watching cases and trials and writing about them for the newspaper. That's probably really depressing, but it sounds amazing. (laughs) I would love to be in her head because it was literally she was watching, like you said, this depressing stuff. And, like, I'm just imagining the movie and the beautiful dancing and kick lines and all the great stuff that I just loved as a younger person. And even now, like, I would love to be in her head because if that was what was going on while she was watching these murder trials, like, oh, my gosh, she's probably probably had a very beautiful imagination. Right. But I'm going to kind of explain for again for our listeners who haven't seen Chicago. It's about the women on murderous row, which is what they called it in Cook County. And how the press and the public were drawn to turning these women into celebrities. And it also pointed out the corruption of justice, especially in Cook County. So I have family that lives in Chicago, and it is actually still nicknamed Crook County instead of Cook County. Oh, okay. So I have heard that, but I didn't know the background behind it. Okay. Mm -hmm. So it's still like some people feel, and I mean, I don't live there. I don't know. But some people still feel it's a very crooked county where people get bought off and paid off, um, politicians and police officers alike. So definitely something that is still going on today, but was definitely going on way more in the 1920s. Crazy. Yeah. All right. So are you ready to take a look into the women that inspired the play? I'm so ready. I'm so excited. Okay, awesome. So we're going to be talking about three women and I'm going to try. I have a lot of information here, so I'm going to try to not make it a million hours long because that's, you know, rough. (laughs) Yeah, I'll try to make it kind of quick, but still kind of fun. Yeah, no, no, no. Do it. (laughs) So the first woman's name was Beulah Anon. Oh, my God. I know. Fun name. (laughs) (laughs) And she inspired Roxy Hart. Beulah was born on, and Roxy Hart is a character that you would know if you watched the movie. I'm just going to throw that jab out there now. I'll I'll just get ready for the jabs. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and then I'm going to expect you to watch this like within the next 24 hours. Okay, I can do that. (laughs) Robbie's working, so I have the TV to myself. (laughs) 
Fula was born on November 18th, 1899 in Kentucky. She and her husband, or I'm sorry, she and her boyfriend, Albert Anon, married, so became husband, in March of 1920, and later they moved to Chicago. Al was a mechanic and Beulah was a bookkeeper. While at work, Beulah met a man named Harry, and shortly after they met, the two started having an affair. Damn. Some scandal. Scandalous. Scandals in the 20s. We don't know anything about that. <laughs> You're saying not everybody was great? What? No. And now we're reliving the 20s and it's not so great. <laughs> yeah, everybody manifested that sh- Thanks a lot, Gen Z. Gosh. <laughs> yeah, let's dress like the 20s again. Well, now we have a plague and everyone's sad. <laughs> no, seriously. Whoever whoever decided that was funny, a good little trend, wasn't funny. <laughs> I agree. So we're going to fast forward to April 3rd of 1924. Um, according to Beulah, she and Harry were in her bedroom drinking wine and they got into an argument. For some reason, there was a gun on her bed, and they both <laughs> lunged for it. A casual That's where thing. I keep my gun. <laughs> Don't you keep your gun on your bed? <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> <laughs> so they both went for the gun, and Beulah just happened to get to it first and shot Harry. After Beulah shot Harry, she told police she played a song called Hulalu. It's H U L A L O U, Hulalu. On repeat for four hours while she watched him die. Oh, my God. <laughs> Did she say what the argument was about? I mean, like, how uh, no, important she... were we? So here's the fun thing about Beulah. Her story changes depending on oh. who she's talking to and what time of day it is. So she just kept saying argument. And sometimes she would be a little specific and sometimes she wouldn't. And it was just kind of up in the air. So maybe she just got tired of him and, and shot him. I mean, that's kind of what it seems like. So after Harry died, she called her husband, Al, and told him a man that she didn't know, broken and tried to force um, her to make love, is what her quote was. Oh. So she shot him in self-defense, according to her husband's story when her husband spoke to the police. All right. (laughs) I wouldn't (laughs) if someone was forcing me to have intercourse, I wouldn't say forcing me to make love. I would say, like, forcing me to have sex with them, but... Right? Anyway. Like, it's very, yeah, it's not, her Her vocabulary doesn't match her story all the time. Like I said, her story changed almost every time she spoke in court or to someone of the press. Because in the 1920s, like I said, the press was really making these people almost characters for people to watch. And people in jail would have interviews without their lawyers for press. And it was like little dramas it was like watching judge judy but you know in the paper i guess so there were always people obsessed with true crime and now it's just more accessible and we all have access to it okay exactly so we don't have to like go to the court and read the papers to be involved in the drama so i'm gonna kind of break down all of her stories that i could find um so one she confessed to harry's murder right away to the police when they showed up (laughs) she's like yep it was me (laughs) yeah Yep, she confessed the first time. Uh, Two, she shot him in self-defense, which is the story she stuck to for a little bit longer. Three, Harry said he was leaving her, so she got mad and shot him. I don't know how that one helps her. I I would have stuck with the self-defense one if you're (laughs) for changing stories here. That should have been the last one. Yeah, no kidding. (laughs) Four... She had told Harry she was pregnant, and he lunged for the gun after he found out, and she wrestled it away from him and shot him, still in self-defense. That's a good story, too. All right. (laughs) (laughs) 
So prosecutors believed that Harry told her that he was going to leave her and Beulah shot him in a jealous rage, um, which would kind of make sense to why she told cops that she played a song on repeat and then waited for him to die. Like songs can't be more than, I mean, I don't know. I wasn't born in the 1920s, but songs can't be more than like five, six minutes long, even if they're jazz songs. That's a long time to listen to the same song for four hours. Are there words to that song? I don't know. I didn't look it up. I thought about it and then didn't. (laughs) If it's like the Earl song by like the Dixie Chicks, then we know that she did it for fun. (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) But if it's like... But if that's a Earl had to die. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But if it was like about being sad, then maybe she it was a crime of passion. You know what I'm saying? You know where I'm going with this? I get that. Yeah. So maybe okay, after this we'll look it up and we'll see. We'll we'll post on Instagram and say what we think it was. (laughs) Okay. Sounds good. (laughs) Um so during this mess, where was Al, right? Her husband who oh, yeah. had been lied to because I'm sure he was pretty peeved when he found out that she wasn't being truthful. Right. <laughs> um, so he stood by her, paid for her lawyer's fees and offered to raise the baby in quotations as her own. Okay. So he acknowledged that she cheated on him and was yes. potentially pregnant with another man's baby, <clears throat> but he was still sticking around. Yeah. Man. That's she got sad. a good one. Well, poor guy (laughs) he's whipped like he he was well but he was probably a pretty great husband (laughs) yeah that's true probably didn't deserve to be cheated on and then have to watch his wife's story come out in the papers like some like courtroom drama oh yeah that's shitty that would suck yeah can you imagine him being home alone reading the papers about what what story his wife came up with next all right so in may of 1924 beulah was acquitted of her crime oh that's nice they let her go (laughs) Yeah, I have four different stories that are changing. And she admitted to doing it. I mean, like, she didn't say, no, it wasn't me. I mean, that just seems all right. Yes. Yeah. In all of her stories, she did shoot him. We know who the killer is. (laughs) Well, in the day after her trial, she held a press conference. Like, she called the press and told them to come hang out with her. And in that press conference, she announced that she was leaving her husband, Al, because he was too slow. Those were the quotes, legitimately. Okay, define, are we talking, like, agility slow? Like, he can't run? Or are we talking, like, he's maybe not the sharpest crayon in the box? Like, either way, poor Al. I'm team Al. I feel bad for him. (laughs) Poor guy. (laughs) So, I'm going to guess it's 1920s lingo. I'm going to guess she called him dumb to every reporter in cook county that's so sad well and he didn't even know that she was leaving him so first he finds out he's getting left and then he gets called dumb it's like poor guy can't catch a fucking break and he probably read all of it in the paper the right that's so oh. <laughs> poor al i just i mean i know he's dead now but i just want to give him a hug i know i should have looked poor up guy. what happened to him i'm sure he moved on hopefully married well <laughs> Had his own kids. He deserves it. I hope so, for sure. Um, So then, here's a little bit of her karma. Four years after the trial ended in 1928, Beulah died of tuberculosis. (laughs) I probably shouldn't be laughing, but... (laughs) It's her karma. That's what you f***ing get. You murder someone, and you shit on my boy Al, so... hmm. (laughs) Seriously. Um, And she was 28, so like, you know. Oh, damn, that's real young. (laughs) Yeah, taken right off the planet. (laughs) Just... Whoosh. All right. 
So that's woman number one who inspired um, the play. Okay. So in the play, there are two women who are beautiful, you know, very gorgeous, flirt with the jury kind of types, flirt, you know, have a a lawyer that they flirt with. And these women pretty much fit that to a T in real life. So like while the writer was creative, she had a lot of inspiration in front of her. Right. So now I'm I'm burping because I'm (laughs) drinking this stuff. I'm trying to be quiet. Those trulies are getting after it. The carbonation. <laughs> so now let's talk about the second woman um, that inspired a character. Her name is Belva uh, Garther or Gartner. Sorry, Gartner. Oh my. Okay. Either way, Belva. Yeah. Belva. Belva. B e l v a. I mean, I could be saying it wrong, but that's what it seems. I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> so Belva inspired Velma Kelly in the movie. Um, and it's it's interesting when you watch the movie, you're going to be thinking of this podcast and seeing it side by side. And it's pretty close to being like identical. So Belva was born on September 14th in 1884 in Litchfield, Illinois. She was a three time divorcee oh. who was a Cabernet singer. Sounds like she's living the fucking life, though. Damn. <laughs> I mean, she had a lot of great husbands. Um, She was a Cabernet singer in Chicago. So, you know, I mean, a a bigger city. Um, I think she was pretty popular in the lifestyle that she was in. On March 11th, 1924, she shot and killed her lover, Walter Law. Walter? Walter. Yes, Walter. Um, (laughs) he, He was found in the front seat of Belva's car. Shot and dead with a bottle of gin and a pistol beside him. Went out happy, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Belva was found in her apartment with her blood-soaked clothing on the floor. And she told police that she was drunk and went driving with Walter, but she doesn't know how he died. Oh. Okay. (laughs) All right. (laughs) (laughs) I'm gonna... Her story doesn't change as much, but like... You just don't know. You were you were with him, and then you weren't. I mean, if you, don't... if you were drinking, I guess you could have like killed him that way, or there was a gun next to him. You could have killed him that way. I mean, like you've got options. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you could come up with yeah. at least one. Yeah. So hers isn't as clear as Beulah's. Hers is definitely, you know, she had a little bit more. I don't know. I believe sense. Right. To say, I don't remember. Like. He was there, then he was, and I don't know how my clothes were bloody. Like, you know, she didn't confess and then try not right. to confess, but we found that that doesn't really matter either. Apparently not in uh, Chicago. <laughs> yeah, not in Cook County, that's for sure. Uh, um, so during her trial, one of Walter's co-workers testified that Walter felt uh, Belva was possessive. Um, she threatened Walter with a knife when he tried to break up with her once. Oh, my God. Yeah, and Walter actually told his coworker he feared that she would kill him one day. Oh, well, there. I mean, if she, if he, it's not like he was in her car or anything. But now we know for sure. All right. So you know the the evidence is starting to work its yeah. way up and pile up. So Belva actually allowed Maureen, the woman who wrote the play Chicago. Uh, to interview her while she was a journalist for the paper. Ooh, I bet that was fun. Oh my gosh. So she has this iconic quote. So I'm going to read the whole thing real quick, okay? No woman can love a man enough to kill him. They aren't worth it because there are always plenty more. Why would I worry if he loved me or left me? Gin and guns, either one is bad, but together they get you into a dickens of a mess. (laughs) Belva sounds like a bad bitch. 
Like, really? <laughs> she sounds... Yeah, I bet she was quite the character. I mean, she's like outright saying, I don't give a fuck right. about him. I don't need like, no mans. Yeah. <laughs> why Why would I kill him? Like, yeah, gin and guns. That's what happened. Right. <laughs> Blame the guns. Blame the gin. Seriously, like, she's a bad bitch. That's, all I, that's the best way to, you know. I mean... She had a good idea, you know, minus the coworker coming out and saying, like, this man literally thought she was going to kill Oh, no, him. she still, like, murdered <laughs> someone, so she's still an <laughs> but I'm just she saying is. she's, like... She is. You know, still bad bitch vibes. And she had a good plan, right? I don't remember. I don't care about him. Why would I try murdering him? I'm going to get another one in another minute. I'm, I've had three divorces already. Like, men are nothing. And then, you know, she's trying to make it seem like this laid back, like, I don't give a right. kind of personality while the other side is i'm going to chase him around with a knife because he threatened to leave me like clearly she there weren't other men for her and she was not cool about it are there photos of these women yes and i will make sure i mean so i know for our instagram we discussed like not posting pictures of murderers but technically they got acquitted so like i was gonna post pictures of them just because like technically they were never charged so oh man that's a tough one right because right like because like oj wasn't you know but we all charged know. with murder yeah. right so <laughs> that's a tough one <clears throat> but i'll let you yeah yeah i still want to know what they look like <laughs> <laughs> so i think i'll post a picture but there's also a third person that i kind of want to focus on more so like you'll okay. see i'll i'll post something but our our third one is going to be who i want to like really dive into okay so Let's see here. Uh, Belva's defense claimed Walter must have shot himself and Belva blocked out the trauma. Um, Plus being, you know, blackout drunk on gin and juice was her problem. (laughs) What's that song? (laughs) Isn't it by Snoop Dogg? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) There's also a Lizzo song called Gin and Juice. (laughs) Oh. And I think she brings up OJ in that. Oh, <laughs> so it comes all around. <laughs> yeah, so I don't. I don't really listen to Lizzo, so I'll have to Google it. Oh yeah, she's a fun time. Um, so the jury fell fell for it, and she was acquitted as well in June of 1924. So you might notice too the two bees, the two ladies. They were in prison mm-hmm. at the same time. And oh, okay. Like I said, Cook County had murderous row, so it was women who murdered their spouses. And they were all in a line of a hallway of jail cells. So they were all together and they all actually helped each other get ready for trial and gave each other tips and tricks on how to flirt with the jurors and how to get ready and do their hair and all sorts of things. Oh my God. (laughs) Yeah. There was this whole little, like they both ran the beauty salon to help girls with makeup and hair to get ready for their trials. Like it was Cook County was their their prosecutors were so annoyed because these girls were flirting with just normal jurors right. of their peers. Well, I wish they weren't like peers. murderers because that would be like if it'd be like women helping other women, that would be badass. But like they murdered someone, <laughs> so they can't. You know, that's sh- why did they have to make such bad choices? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like it's kind of like the women helping women is awesome, but like the murder. When you throw in the murder, that's when it. Uh, that's when it gets bad (laughs) so belva had a different um end of life uh she eventually moved to europe and died of natural causes at the age of 80 all that gin (laughs) yeah so not as bad karma yeah right i kept her alive (laughs) 
Okay, so I'm sure some of our listeners and maybe you are wondering how I found myself in this rabbit hole of literally watching Chicago on Hulu and then learning that this is actually based on true situations that happened. And I thought this part you would get more if you saw it. So if anyone <laughs> has seen Chicago, you'll get this part. <laughs> so in the, mo- or in the movie and in the play, there is a Hungarian ballerina, beautiful ballerina. And she's also in the cell block tango, which is like this song where the six murderesses talk about why they did what they did. And this Hungarian ballerina's part is all in Hungarian oh, sh- and there are no subtitles. Like I even put put the subtitles on to see if they would come out in English and it just said <laughs> like wow, thanks so much for the help. <laughs> <laughs> So this rabbit hole started because I literally just Googled what was the Hungarian ballerina saying in in the Selbach Tango. And I found out that the Hungarian ballerina is based on an Italian immigrant that was sentenced to hanging in the 1920s in Cook County. And she was a woman? She was she was the first woman in Cook County that got a death sentence because damn yeah so I'm gonna dive in because I'm gonna tell you all of it and then I'm not gonna have okay. any use of my notes that I worked on <laughs> okay okay so there's an article on um, from the women or Women's Day like you know the website mm-hmm. uh, that was reviewing a book called The Ugly Prey an innocent woman and the death sentence that scandalized Jazz Age Chicago it's a mouthful. It's quite the the grabber, though. Sinks you in. <laughs> yeah, it does. Um, so this article pointed out that the Hungarian ballerina was loosely based off of the Italian immigrant, like I said, and her name was Isabella Nitti, but she went by Sabella. Okay. Um, and she was on trial for the disappearance and murder of her husband. Now, there was no evidence, no motive, or proof that the body that they found in a ditch was even her husband. Oh, so it's because she's an immigrant <clears throat> that they threw her in there and gave her this crazy sentence. That and they called her ugly all the time. Oh, that's rude. But then these other women. Compared to the other women, she was. Like she was older. Um, she didn't speak English. So the immigrant thing. And no one helped her get ready for her trial yeah. because they couldn't talk to her. That's shitty. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it, oh. so... The prosecutors, like I said, really wanted to win. Um, they had, they were tired of women like Beulah and Belva getting away with murder by bat- batting their eyelashes at the all-male jury. Because at the time, women were not allowed to be on juries. Right. So as a woman, like you, unfortunately. I would have called them on their bullshit. <laughs> I mean, you would hope, but, you know, some men, like. They uh, think with their dicks uh, and not their brains. <laughs> It's okay to say it, Amber. You can say it. I know. (laughs) I know. And (laughs) they do. And unfortunately, like, these women, like, manipulated that and made these jurors think that, you know, they would talk to them outside of this and all sorts of stuff. Like, it was, it was, I'm surprised. Like, good thing. I think this is part of the reason why juries get sequestered so that this can't happen. Because I'm sure it was happening in other places other than Chicago. Okay, I take what I said back about them being bad bitches. They just suck. I don't like them anymore. <laughs> I mean, if they would have helped out Sabella, then maybe. But yeah, they were kind of I guess of maybe. Maybe. Yeah. Right. You know, so the prosecution really focused on the fact that Sabella was, uh, she was considered easy, ugly prey. And they focused on that. A lot of their argument 
was calling her ugly. <laughs> like, that's a good reason to be, you know. In jail. Or even charged with murder with yeah. no evidence that she... Yeah. So I have a little bit from the book that kind of talks about how Sabella kind of rocked Chicago's world for a little bit. So stop me. I know we're having a little lag in our stuff. So just scream and I'll stop reading if you need to. Okay. I'll make a little... Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'll watch for it. Okay. <laughs> so from the audience, reporter Genevieve Forbes studied the defendants, paying attention to every detail about the woman. If it were up to Forbes, she would find Sabella Nitti guilty and hang the old woman that very night. Forbes was disgusted by Sabella. To Forbes, Sabella was a peasant who looked and smelled like she had just walked out of a field. Sabella was a compact woman with a muscular frame built during a lifetime of work. Her olive skin had deepened like tan leather after years of toiling in the Mediterranean sun. Um, she had long, thick, black and gray hair that was piled onto her head in a messy bun secured with pins and a comb. Several times, Forbes wrote the word greasy in her notebook as a description of this little woman's appearance. So Forbes is a bitch, <clears throat> is what yes. you're telling me. Okay. All Forbes right. is fueling this, and she's a woman, so right. she's just hating on another woman. She's got that mean girl vibe. Exactly. The judge peered down at the packed courtroom. The gallery was crowded with spectators who had read about the murder trial in the newspaper and wanted to be there for the big moment. As the jury reached a verdict, the judge asked. The foreman stood. We, the jury, find the defendant, Isabella Nitti, otherwise known as Sabella Nitti, guilty of murder, and we fix her punishment at death. The stunned courtroom sat in silence. Sabella patted her hair and looked hopefully around the room. She hadn't understood a word. Oh. Yeah. That's terrible. So everyone knew except her. Yeah. Forbes inspected her from across the room. Stubby fingers, she wrote, ingrained in dirt in the fingernails. Until someone translated the verdict, Sabella would not know she was scheduled to hang in just 95 days. The Cook County Criminal Courthouse connected to the jail through a covered walkway. In the courtroom, the secretary typed the day's verdict, and it was further processed with signatures and official stamps. Across the way, Sabella sat in her jail cell, unaware that her fate was sealed with the ding of a typewriter and the squish of a rubber stamp. Sabella, someone should have said, passing her a cookie or a wedge of cheese to fill her empty stomach. The jury reached a verdict this afternoon. I regret I have bad news. The sentence is death. They will hang you in early October. You will stay here until your execution date. But what were her fellow inmates supposed to do? Have someone gently hold her hand while another woman acted out choking noises? There needed to be a translator, someone to calm her down, with hope. Her lawyer was working on an appeal. There was a chance. The reporters lingered in the hallway, walking past Sabella's barred cell as if she were on display at Lincoln Park Zoo. Some of the more opportunistic reporters probably wouldn't have hesitated to tell Sabella the verdict if only they knew how to speak her language. Hell, they would tell her in Italian. Because she didn't speak Italian, she spoke a very specific dialect, that even the translators I see. couldn't articulate to her entirely what happened. She kind of had to guess as they spoke Italian to her. God, that's so hard and scary, too. Yeah. Instead, they looked at her face for signs. Did she know she was going to hang? No, not yet. Sabella cried when she heard the verdict and tried to commit suicide by ramming her head against the wall. Oh my she God. was alone and terrified. Well, and there are pictures of her, and I'll post some of them. So there are pictures of her kind of in what this Forbes woman describes. And she's holding her, like, infant daughter. Oh. 
Yeah. This woman has lost her husband. They don't even know if her husband is dead. He's just missing. Well, I was just thinking if she can't understand or like say what she wants to correctly, she might know where he is. Like maybe he is out of town and she knows, but can't like physically tell them. That's terrible. That's awful. Right. Well, and then she's got her daughter who it's kind of interesting. So I didn't read all of this book. I was going to order it and try to read it before, but Amazon was delayed with the weather and stuff like that. So I don't know a lot, but I it's interesting because there, when I was reading a little bit about it, she had her daughter around her quite a bit. So I don't know if like it was different. Like than in it is. prison? I, I don't know if it was in prison or if it was like in certain situations where like she could be watched with her daughter. I see. She had opportunities to like see her daughter more than I think inmates would now. So yeah, so she tried to commit suicide. So then that's sad because she's, you know, she's devastated. She's not thinking of the family she has left, all of this stuff. So in Chicago, two sides emerged. One side viewed the verdict suspiciously. The scales of justice tipped by Sabella's lack of beauty. In the past and perhaps in the future, A woman only needed fashionable attire, a powder puff, and an air of vulnerability to earn an acquittal. Can beauty be convicted? Several newspapers questioned. The other side embraced the verdict and saw it as a form of equal rights. If women wanted to vote, if they wanted to have jobs and compete with men, then they had to accept the same penalties men faced. Never mind that the juries were devoid of women and the law was written by men, or the police, coroner, and coroner's physicians were all men as well. So that's just a little bit of the book, which I'm very excited when it actually comes in since the weather (laughs) threw it off because I'm still going to read it. (laughs) Although it's snowing again. Isn't that great for us? (laughs) We're just now starting to get some melting and then it goes away. (laughs) So I might never get my book. Right. Or it'll be like two months. Two months later. (laughs) We'll do an update of how I feel about the book when I finally get it. (laughs) So... Spoiler alert. I mean, Chicago's been out forever. But I know. It's okay. You don't have to worry. I'm <laughs> sure I'm everybody else has. Listeners. Oh, okay. I would think that everyone else has besides me. <laughs> if they wanted to watch it, I'm sure they have. Um, but spoiler alert. In Chicago, the Hungarian ballerina is hung. Oh. It's kind of like they do a split screen. There is the Hungarian ballerina doing ballet, and then she has this moment and then the other half of the split screen is like her walking up oh to my the, god the yeah gallows. so it's like you see this very beautiful and sh- whoever this ballerina was was fabulous like i get goosebumps just thinking about it and so you see this beautiful dance and then you just see this very sad you know not in this 1920s like flapper-esque look get hung you know you yeah. don't see her but you see her feet drop like most movies show with hanging. So it's very sad. But luckily, Sabella had an amazing lawyer, and um, that was not oh, her um, Even though, I know, I didn't want to hold okay, it till good. the end. <clears throat> okay, I would be real <laughs> upset. <laughs> okay, good. So, but y- you're going to be bummed out about what her lawyer had to do uh, to get yeah, her. I'm sure. So to get her retrial. So she had a great uh, lawyer and the lawyer was a woman and she was the first woman in her um, firm. Yes. So she, Mm. yes. So women helping women for real. Yeah, that's what we like to see. (laughs) So with Sabella, her lawyer still couldn't communicate with her. So her lawyer had a translator for a little bit and they began trying to appeal the death sentence that was given. Sabella's lawyer got her new clothes, dyed her hair and taught her English. 
instead of gray hair or dirty hands and nails from manual labor, she had a stylish brown bob, um, manicured hands, and she could speak to the courtroom for the first time. I think that that happens still today. Like they make people either look like more innocent, like uh, women Mm -hmm. or make men look more presentable. So I wonder if that was like one of the first times they did that. Maybe, maybe that was something that showed other lawyers you could do that and it works. Verdicts could Mm -hmm. change. Yeah. Unfortunately, it works. Um, So Forbes, the original author from the book. Mm -hmm. Yes. The. So Forbes had originally called Sabella an animal-like. She would paint these pictures of her crouching and being really animalistic. Um, And now that she'd had her makeover, she called her a butterfly. All right. (laughs) I'm going to let you process for a moment because I know you have thoughts. No, I just that's I just don't like that. And especially now, and I I guess I should say in the 20s, I think women were primarily judged based on their appearance. That was super normal. And thankfully now, you know, we've come... It's a a little better. Right. We've come to learn like it doesn't matter, you know, what weight you are or how your hair looks or... Mm -hmm. um, And so, but it's frustrating to hear, especially when, you know, you had those two women who were, were beautiful, Beulah and Belva even though it's so obvious that they were guilty, but they were beautiful. You know, it's just like frustrating because the, the contrast, right? right? Like these two that you were like, are you kidding me? And then you have one where you're like, there's no evidence at all. And she's the one that gets this verdict. And I don't like other women. I'm sure Forbes was just doing what she had to, to like keep her job. But I really don't like other women when they put each other down, like, you know, empowered women, empower women. Like that's something that I live by. (laughs) And so it just, I don't like, yeah, I don't like that. But all right, continue. I agree. <laughs> um, Sabella and her lawyer were able to get her get her an appeal. Um, and so they were able to turn over the death sentence, but they still had to go to the Supreme Court, much like yep. today. You know, you can't just walk out of jail. Um, there's steps that have to be taken. So they had a court date set with the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court granted a retrial. And they also allowed her to get out on bail. So she was not, she didn't have to stay in prison while she waited for her next court date. So I think the Supreme Court was like, okay, like they obviously realized there's no evidence here. You fixed your homely self. So we can't really, you know, blame you for being ugly. And that's clearly why your husband is missing. Um, due to the court's busy schedule, um, it resorted in Sabella's trial getting pushed back multiple times. And then finally, it's kind of like the court just gave up and they dismissed her Oh, my case. God. Yeah. Well, she was being a per. Sorry. Go ahead. No, you go. Well, so then that almost makes me think that they knew that it was absolute bullshit that she was even mm-hmm. found guilty in the first place. Yeah. No, that was ex- exactly like what it was. And, you know... She was being a productive citizen and she was staying out of trouble while she was on bail. Like she proved that. I mean, you know, we don't know. We don't know. Maybe. I mean, I don't think so. Like in my heart of hearts, I don't think she did anything because she was so upset. And it was just, you know, it was treating her poorly because of how she looked and the fact that she was an immigrant in my eyes. But if there was any question to the court, her going home and not you know getting in trouble yeah getting in trouble becoming another you know not finding a situation where she was a murderer or anything like that like had to prove to the court like okay 
we fucked up. Did they ever find her husband? No. Mm. Yeah, no. They the one they found a body in a ditch and they claimed it was him. And there was I mean in the 20s there was no DNA or right. anything like that. So it was literally looking and it was a it was a decaying body. So oh, like so there was n- no way to know who it was. Yeah. It was a John Doe. Hmm. That's going to be on my list. What of happened? what to know? Yeah, what happened to him? <laughs> I want to know. I know. Well, and I, I, I would love to just know, like, the real stories for the yeah. other two. Like, yeah. did you f- not know? Did you? Or was this planned out? And were you a horrible person? Right. So, yeah. So, Sabella was a free woman. She never got in trouble again. And this inspired the writer of Chicago to go on and write this play and it was first a play that was done on stage and then it got turned into a Broadway play and then it got turned into the movie that you can watch on Netflix or I'm sorry on Hulu is where it is right now um as of March 2021 who knows where it will be in a month but um (laughs) (laughs) that is where you can watch it right now um and it's Renee Zellweger and Catherine Zeta-Jones play the two leads um Roxy and Velma because see like I've I mean I've seen like photos like I know what they look like in those movies so now it makes sense that but you said the ballerina is beautiful in the movie like they portray her as beautiful well, her dancing is beautiful, and she's I a be- like you can just tell she's a beautiful woman that Hollywood tried to like ug up, quote unquote, make ugly. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. It's like when the nerd takes her glasses off, and all of a sudden the boys notice her. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. like, they made her clothing like a little dingier, and they made her. She kept her hair in a bun, and like it was kind of like it looked un like an unwashed blonde, like bun. unkept or whatever. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And then it was mostly just her being sad <laughs> through the whole thing. Right. So, did you find what she said? And when you said you googled it, I did. I'm gonna let our listeners look it up um, because oh. if I explain I mean, I it, then it. it <laughs> I know. <laughs> But if I explain it, then I ruin a little okay. part of my favorite. The cell block tango is my favorite scene of this entire movie. Like, I will just watch it on YouTube all the time. Okay. All right. <laughs> so I want, like, even though I couldn't understand her, like, just the, the how the song flowed, even with the Hungarians, like, it was still, it's still beautiful. So I kind of want listeners to hear it okay. and hear how it flows with the song and then look it up. Okay. And all right. It's not. It's not word for word. Like I think it's actually probably the most off from all three women. Um, it's still about her husband, but it's her husband is dead instead of her husband is missing. I see. Okay. Yeah. So there is a dead husband for the Hungarian ballerina, where there wasn't for Sibella. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. So I, it's. I don't know. I just. I think it's so cool that this. Maybe not cool isn't the right word, but just how creative this writer was to kind of be a journalist and see this and then turn it into like awareness. I mean, you know, plays, movies like they do bring awareness to people in a more entertaining way than like listening to a politician talk all the time. Definitely. When, when, I'm sorry. I know you said this. When did she write this? In 1920. So, so she definitely in the 20s. Okay, I wasn't sure if she released it right after. Yeah, definitely in the 20s. Yeah. Uh, I think people would be would listen and, you know, pay attention to what was being said. Yeah, it was a little bit more propaganda than, you know, just entertainment. That is cool, though. I mean, 
that's art you can i mean she was obviously very gifted Mm -hmm. to watch something in real time and then be able to replay it and come up with characters and but i mean i think that's just writing in general it's a very beautiful art true and the the catchy songs are just the cherry on top because how do you you write something beautiful and then you also write and compose music for it right blows my mind I know I'm going to hear grief some, from so many people in my life that I've never watched it. So I'll just say <laughs> I will have watched it by the time this episode comes out. All right. So no one there needs to get on me. I will ha- I will know what's happening. I promise. <laughs> so that means, Leslie, you have, what, three days to watch this from when we record to when it airs? Yeah. So I'll watch it tomorrow or tonight, depending okay. on when we're finished. Okay, well, everyone, make sure that they harass Leslie on the Grim Mystics <laughs> Instagram page and ask her if she watched it once you see these pictures posted on Thursday about this episode. I pinky promise, and you can't you can't go back on pinky promises. You can't. No, I agree with that. That's how we've gotten through so many years of friendship is just the inter- the eternal pinky promise. Yes, it's true. <laughs> But yeah, that was episode three. I don't, I don't know. I don't know how people are going to enjoy it or not, but I loved that this was an organic deep dive that I did at 10 o'clock at night while I was watching Chicago for the millionth time. No, I think it was great. I like, seriously, claps. (laughs) Like it was something that even if I had watched the play, I'm not sure I would have looked into the background or the true story. And no, I thought it was super interesting. And like you said, just the the basics of it, of like these beautiful women getting off on things that they should never have gotten off on. It's very um, thought provoking, I think. And it's super interesting. So I agree. And then I will post pictures of all three women. And I actually found before and afters for Sabella's makeover. So you'll see what the jury was looking at the first time. And you'll see, oh my gosh, her after, she looks like some like Nona that should be on a sauce like label. (laughs) Like she looks stereotypical Italian grandma, like holding a wooden spoon and a barrel of tomatoes. It's it's crazy. I laughed, but maybe that's not a good thing. Maybe that's kind of stereotypical (laughs) of them to do that. But Okay. I, I, I mean, it, it obviously worked, thank goodness. Or the fact that they just realized that they were morons and judged her on a completely, you know, realm. So I'm, I'm kind of, I mean, this is an assumption from me, but I'm kind of thinking that the change in look got her through the first round. But then the Supreme Court, I'm really hoping, looked at the case and was like, what the fuck? Right. There's no reason for this woman to be here. Like, so I think it was a little bit of both. I think in the beginning they were like, oh my God, you're this ugly caterpillar Dirty, that turned blah, into blah, this blah. beautiful butterfly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. You beautiful butterfly. <laughs> <laughs> you remember from Bugs, Bugs Life? Life? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> of course I remember. <laughs> I'm a beautiful butterfly. <laughs> Now I'm going to have to watch that one too. Is that Disney? Is that on Disney Plus? Now I need to know. Oh, yeah. Okay, good. I I think that's on Disney Plus. I haven't watched that in so long. That's funny. (laughs) But, you know, she transforms in her community's eyes. But I really, I mean, again, assumption here. And I know what assuming does. But um, (laughs) I I hope the Supreme Court was like, "Mm, there was no reason for this to happen. We're just going to take do a take back season roam around psych <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> I use that all the time, but it just works in so many situations. <laughs> <laughs> it does, including in murder cases. Thank- <laughs> thankfully, all right. Well, great job. So, yeah, so that's episode Woo-hoo. three. That was thank so you. good. That was super entertaining. <laughs> thank you for telling me that. Oh, thank you. Thank you. So um, any any final things from you, I Leslie? did come up with a little teaser. Oh, I'm so excited. This is fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's going to be hard to follow up on what you just <laughs> said, but okay. Um, so the universe can throw us some really weird things. But luckily, sometimes we have a little dog to get us through. Little dog? I keep going for the Wizard of Oz, and I know that's wrong. <laughs> yeah, no, it's not the Wizard of Oz. I'll tell you or, that much. I know today or today I made it seem like I was a movie review uh, of a podcast, but, <laughs> but we're not transitioning to that. It is still true crime. <laughs> or, or, well, not necessarily true crime, but paranormal oh, or paranormal. weird or, yeah. Yeah, it's not. It's not a true crime either. Okay, so it's not true crime. The universe throws things at. Say it again. So the universe can throw some weird and scary things at us, but if we're lucky, we'll have a little dog to keep us safe. I have no idea. Oh my gosh! Now I know how you feel. The shoes on the other (laughs) foot. (laughs) All I'm gonna do is be doing this. (laughs) I was. uh, My only feedback was that someone wanted to be scared. And it was my mother. She said it wasn't. She wasn't scared enough. So I'm doing something that scares the shit out of me. So, okay, mom. There was hair pulling by a ghost, and there was a beheading, and now there are that's pretty. Mur- <laughs> that's pretty. Scary. I thought so. And there, and now, I mean, you haven't heard this episode yet. I doubt. I'm doubting it'll meet your scare level. But three murderesses. Well, two and one that got away. Well, off. I shouldn't say away. <laughs> Right, right. So, yeah. All right. So this one's going to be scary. It's scary for me. It might not okay. be scary for everybody else, but. Okay. Well, I'm and I think you'll, as soon as I tell you what it is next week, you'll be like, oh, like a light bulb. I know you I, know this. I know you know okay. this one. <laughs> I was going to say, I thought that because we used to watch musicals <laughs> together all the time. <laughs> no, no, no. I know you know this one. <laughs> all right. Okay. Well, friends, thank you so much for listening and give us some love on social media. Give us a follow and share us with your friends. And we'll see you next week. See you next week. Bye. Bye. The Grim Mystics was written and produced by Amber Scribick and Leslie Gregg. The Grim Mystics episodes are edited by Leslie Gregg. Cover art was done by Leah Taylor. The Grim Mystics theme song was written and produced by Bear and Abby Golden. You can find the Grim Mystics on Instagram at the Grim Mystics. You can also follow the Grim Mystics on Facebook at the Grim Mystics. <laughs>